0: So verse 4 and 5 of Hebrews 13, marriage is honorable among all, among all relationships. Marriage is something not to be ashamed of, not to be made fun of, not to be mocked, not to be diminished and called a piece of paper. It's honorable. It's not to be dishonored. And of course, it should be honorable. Amen? And the bed undefiled. The word there for bed is a word, coite, which is a root for the word coitus. Those of you that have taken sex education, you have learned what that word means. It's undefiled. Marriage is an opportunity providing both parties are willing for shame-free sex. No shame afterwards, during, or before the fact. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, adultery is sexual activity with someone who's married and not married to you. Fornication is the word porne or porno or porneo. It relates to sexual activity outside a marriage period. It includes all sexual activity that is not in a relationship between a husband and his wife, or a wife and her husband. Fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So you can say marriage is honorable, but fornication and adultery is not. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Now the word there for covetousness relates to the love of money, but it, it relates to coveting, wanting something that is not yours. The love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's why our previous government leaders chose to put on our money the words, In God we trust. They can move it around all they want on the dime and the dollar, but it's still there. Thank you, Lord, to remind us not to love it, not to trust it, but to put our trust in God. The 10 commandments say thou shalt not commit adultery. The 10th commandment says thou shalt not covet. But the whole commandment says thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's stuff. (laughs) Be glad if your neighbor has a good wife. Be glad for him if she has a good husband. Be glad for her, but don't be coveting what is not yours. Why is the 10th commandment there? Because obedience to it will prevent violating the other commandments. It'll prevent you killing someone because you're jealous of them. It will prevent you, prevent you from lying about someone, bearing false witness against them because you covet their reputation or their fame or or their advantage. And because you don't think things are fair, preoccupation with fairness, over preoccupation with fairness, you know, if you're an umpire or a referee, we want you to be preoccupied with fairness, right? We do our best to be fair, but if, you're, if you make a God out of fairness, it's going to lead to coveting. You want to set the balance straight. You want this. How dare God let this happen? So don't covet. Let your conduct, your lifestyle be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Well, I don't like what I have. Well, then you're in rebellion. You're supposed to be content with what you have. Not liking what you have can live. Not liking what you have can lead to unthankfulness, and God hates ingratitude. A lack of appreciation, just complicates your life. Learn to be content with what God has given you. Make a list. If you're depressed, there's nothing better to do than Share with a friend who can encourage you, not just agree with you, but encourage you as a person, but make a list of things to be thankful for. Take a piece of paper, number one through ten, and then just start filling out things I'm thankful for. And you realize you're blessed. Who's been to India? you got a big thing not to be thankful for, that you're here and not there. If you're in India, have you been to the Sahara? You got a big thing to be thankful for, that you're not alone in a desert dying of thirst. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Your story, my story, our story is not over. The Lord is with us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that these scriptures would come alive and that they would be applied to our hearts in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. This is not a three-point and a poem sermon. This is ten points. How can I remember all that? You don't have to. Just remember one of them the one that relates to you the most, or three of them that relate to you the most. They'll change your life. So this is not a recipe, but this is uh, a collection of things that are important that would change your life and help you to honor your marriage and honor the marriages of others. How to have an honorable marriage. Repent from dishonoring marriage. Marriage is honorable among all. Comedians love to make fun of marriage. You know, I mean, I love Jeff Jeff Foxworthy as as much as the next person does. But mocking your spouse, mocking your in-laws, making fun of marriage, calling it a piece of paper, diminishing its importance to society and culture, calling it a man-made construct, all these other things that are going on in our culture is partly to do with the reason we have the mess we have. Honor marriage as an institution. Because it was given to us by God. Human history, we're about to see in a minute, began with a marriage, began with a wedding. And human history, as the scriptures reveal it, is heading towards a wedding. When the groom, our Lord Jesus Christ, is united with the bride, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus performed his first miracle at a marriage celebration. A week-long wedding, ran out of wine early. That's terrible. What are we going to drink all week, right? Performed a miracle. But turning probably over 160 gallons, possibly 180 gallons of water into the best fruit of the vine man had ever tasted. A miracle. Consider the time it would take to plow a field, to plant grapes, to develop the plants to bear the harvest and all that labor, breeding the best grape, all that, boom, bam, there it is. Miraculous. That's a whole other subject, though. He did it at a wedding. So God honors marriage, He instituted it. Number two, recognize marriage as a gift from God, it's God's gift. Let's look at these verses. In Genesis 2, it says, The Lord God formed the man, Adam, Adam, out of dust from the ground, Adama, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, the Garden of Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Notice the first thing he did with the man was gave the man a job. Girls, before you think about getting married, make sure the guy has a job. <laughs> first things first. Then the Lord God took the man, verse 15, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. See, he had a job. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So he gives a man a job, and now he's going to make the man a helper. Job first, marriage next. All right, verse 21. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs ah, and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman, a man with a womb, and he brought her to the man to be his wife. It's a gift from God. Men, your wife is a gift from God. Receive your mate as his perfect gift. Years ago, Yvette and I, Needed some counseling. I have a truck in the shop right now because it needed some tending to, and I did not have the skills to repair the problem that it had. Well, so it is with relationships. If you've got a problem, don't be so prideful that you don't seek help. Pride should motivate you to seek help. This concept of a man lifting himself up by his own bootstraps doesn't work. You won't go nowhere except tear up your bootstraps. So if you need help, seek it out. So we needed some help, and so we went to see a trusted counselor and friend, and he gave us us this revelation of receiving each other as God's perfect gift, receiving one another as God's perfect gift. We'll see it from this text. Adam said, remember God brought her to the man. He made a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is his response to the woman being brought to him by God. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. What is that? That's acceptance. She's mine. You know, one lie Adam could not be tempted to believe was, I married the wrong person. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Somebody said, when man saw the other man, he said, Whoa, man. They were naked. The Hebrew word for man is Ish. The Hebrew word for woman is Isha. When Ish saw another Ish, he said, Isha. <laughs> Therefore, and he prophesies: a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife. The old King James says, leave and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's talking about the undefiled marriage bed. And they were both naked, the man and his wife. See, right off the bat, there's this wedding. She's his wife. The father of the bride gives her away to his creation. And they were not ashamed. Can you say shame-free? Shame-free. So, back to Yvette and I, seeing this counselor. He led us to an exercise of receiving one another as God's perfect gift. Maybe to Yvette, it felt like she was hugging a cactus. (laughs) But she received me as God's perfect gift for her. Warts and all. Because we have all been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Remember that great promise, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Which means the things that annoy me in my relationships are things God can use to fashion me like a jeweler polishing a diamond or chipping away a sculpture. Use those things to make us more like Jesus. I need this person on the front row. Not to complete me, we're complete in Christ, right? But to help form me, to help form Christ in me. And vice versa, you don't have to say amen. (laughs) (laughs) no don't somebody will say boy you need some more work on that guy all right we need to recall if you want to have an honorable marriage recall that marriage is more than a contract contracts get broken all day long you know you can sign papers galore and that contract's no better than the paper it's printed on right In fact, when you read it, you can't even understand it. It's so complicated. That creates loopholes, right? The culture has changed in that area. People used to keep their word. Years ago, we met at a place for six and a half years at Country Love Theater, 404 North Houston Street. It's a parking lot now. It's the old First Baptist campus. And while there, we learned that the church had its account at First National, And that a church member, in good standing, could write on an offering envelope, an IOU, to the church and sign it. And the church could turn it into the bank, and it was as good as a check. That's what we used to have in this community. Marriage is more than a contract. It seems to be that now. It's been called a contract. It's being called a piece of paper. Let me defend the piece of paper, especially to the ladies. The marriage license is to protect you especially from fraud, from uh, being taken advantage of, from financial abuse. It gives you a legal leverage, a foot to stand on legally, registered at the courthouse that will help you in case something goes bonkers in case your spouse loses their mind you'll be glad you had that piece of paper oh that'll never happen to us it's great wonderful it won't but just in case it's a it's a good safety feature so marriage is more than a contract but that piece of paper is important Well, I don't think they had pieces of paper in the Bible. Listen, they had legal binding agreements. They had covenants, which is what marriage is. When Jesus ministered to the woman at the well, he recognized five previous marriages. But for some reason, he didn't recognize the relationship she had with the man she was living with. He was right on, blew the woman's mind. She became a believer in him as the Messiah and transformed that community and paved the way for the gospel to hit there. In uh, Acts chapter 8, that's another message. Recall, marriage is more than a contract. The Pharisees came to Jesus, Matthew 19, 3, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? That's what they were doing. The Lord, in another place, said fornication was the only reason. Adultery would be the only reason. There may be some other reasons like abuse but just because you don't love each other anymore, that's, that, that's so lame. We're, we're commanded to love, so why don't we love? Love is not a feeling. It's great when you feel it, but love is a commitment. They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Verse 4, he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, we just read this, made them male and female, and for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. It's supposed to be a covenant for life. America. (laughs) I need a second witness. Okay. Mark 10, same thing happened. The Pharisees came and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? He answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. He said, you can just write a, a certificate. So if, if, if a divorce was a certificate that you could write, then marriage, there was something signed in that day, Right? Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Can we say one? One. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So it's more than a contract. It's for life. Contracts are temporary. Who's who's ever had a rental contract? A mortgage contract. Hopefully your mortgage contract is temporary. You're going to pay that thing off, right? Uh, um, A loan is a contract. Hopefully that's temporary. You're going to pay it off. You don't want to have a loan for life right on that old car. Um, A lease agreement. Contract. Don't, Don't ever rent something without something on paper because people will rip you off. Oh, it's just a piece of paper. You're going to learn the hard way. Okay. I won't be gloating saying I told you so. Let's restore marriage as a covenant. It's a covenant. Restore my marriage as a covenant. Restore your marriage as a covenant. Covenant is for life. A marriage relationship is unlike any other relationship on earth. It's not like church membership. It's like Membership in the body of Christ, yes, but not a local church. It's not like uh, your employment. It's not like your class. Those of you that are going to be graduating in the class of 2023 will applaud you, but your relationship with those folks is nothing like what your marriage will be. That is a historical relationship, but a covenant relationship is for life. And it's more powerful than your relationship with your kids because your children will grow up, hopefully, And leave. They will leave their father and mother and cleave to their wife and start something new. And parents do not intrude in their relationship unless you're invited. And when you're invited, recognize that's a temporary invitation. Help them, do not take sides and move on. And married people, please don't just vent to your parents without the other person there don't do that you'll mess them up and then you and your spouse will make up and then your parents are all jacked up don't do that you want your whole family to be healthy restore marriage as a covenant return to honoring the marital vows we're going to do that today let me say this about the vows There was a big-time TV preacher years ago that thought the vows were too old school because they were too negative. And he swayed me. I took him seriously. He wrote new vows for his daughter's wedding, and the wedding was broadcast around the world, and it had nothing negative in it. No death, no sorrow, no poverty, just prosperity and success all the way. And then when they got a divorce, looking back on that, they made a commitment to prosperity, right? And when they went through something that may not have been prosperous, I didn't. I didn't agree to this. You ever felt like that? I didn't agree to this. We need vows that are all-encompassing. Obviously, we don't want to put curses on our marriages, but we want to speak the truth about marriage, real life. Because who knows? Tribulation comes. Jesus said it. In the world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. The world, And by the way, his vows really were negative because they had a big section in them of pronouncing woe on anyone in the crowd. Woe be unto you. And I've been to weddings, guys, that still use that, pronouncing curses on people in the crowd that might do something that wouldn't help this young couple make it. And then what happened, happened. A sad story. And I realized it's time to realize our parents had good sense. The generations before us were not nitwits. I mean, we made it here, right? They must have done something right. Well, my parents didn't. Well, maybe your great-grandparents did. Just go back a few generations. You want to deal with reality. There's something to be said for being positive and not complaining and not whining, of course, and not magnifying your problems, but there's also something to be said In honesty, John Kohler shared a medical diagnosis. He was honest in relating that need, that diagnosis to us so we could pray at that point, right? That's honesty. He wasn't, faith is being honest in light of the word of God. It's not denial. Denial is a shortcut from reality. It's an imaginary thing that leaves you feeling like a heel when it becomes exposed. That you were lying. So to say I don't have a code when you have a cold, that's not faith. I was talking to Pastor Olin about this the other day and he said he was visiting one of these churches that pushed just being positive and, and denying all existence of problems. He said a woman came up to him, pulled up her britches leg and said these words, do you want to see where the dog didn't bite me? How dumb can you get and still breathe. Now, obviously, faith denies the lordship of circumstances over our lives, right? God has a final say. His word is eternal, and by his stripes we are healed, and ultimately that ultimate healing is in heaven, right? All earthly healings, let me just tell you the truth, all earthly healings are temporary. Was the raising of Lazarus awesome? Where's he at? Where is he? I want to hear him testify. He died. Miracles, signs, and wonders are temporary signs of a world to come that we're looking for, whose builder and maker is God. That's the truth. Well, this church must be bound up in unbelief. Listen, we have a YouTube channel, and on that channel is a playlist called Testimonies, and there's over 50 testimonies on that. Most of them are healings. An amazing testimony of a guy whose teeth were healed in the dental chair. He was facing thousands of dollars worth of work. Bill Breedlove, he's still alive today. Glorious healing, testified, rejoicing. Three weeks later, he broke a tooth off, eating something he hadn't eaten in years. Deep fried zucchini. So healing is great. But in life, there are problems, right? There's just problems. It's real. It's real. There was a church here in town that used to preach that stuff. It doesn't exist anymore. Imperfect faith, my dad used to tell me, imperfect faith will disintegrate. You want biblical faith. The Bible is full of negative stuff and how God worked it out, right? You take away your testimony if you deny the existence of a test. You destroy the message if you deny the existence of a mess. Right? There's no triumph without a trial. And so it is in marriage. You want to pronounce vows upon yourself and your relationship. That is all-encompassing. No matter what happens in life, I am committed to you. So that when they do happen, you won't hear the voice saying, I didn't sign up for this. Well, that preacher told me I could live my best life now. Really? Have you heard of eternal life? Have you heard of the new Jerusalem? Have you heard of the new earth? Have you heard of heaven? That's your best life. Right? Not now. Okay. Off the soapbox. Back on the sermon. If you're game, I'm game. Who's game? Are you game? All right. Married couples, stand. Single folks, pray for us. <laughs> Yvette, come and join me, darling. Look at your spouse and look at the vows. Husbands first. I, Billy Bob, take you, Susie Q, to be my wife, not your husband. Okay? All right. Together. in sickness and in health to love and to cherish till death do us part according to God's holy law this is my solemn vow okay ladies do likewise
1: I bet take you out to be my husband to have and to hold from this day forth, for better or worse for ritual or poor sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death to us flight, according to God's holy law. And this is my son.
0: Alright, now the best part. You may kiss your wife.
1: <laughs> okay, this is what we were told, actually it was our pastor who gave us this counsel. He had us put our hands on each other's face and say,
0: You are God's perfect gift to me.
1: You are God's perfect gift to me.
0: Don't go changing to try to please me.
1: Don't change the color
0: of your hair. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) Amen. Give yourselves a hand. Restore your marriage as a covenant. Return to honoring the marriage vows, especially yours. Realize sex within marriage is a blessing. Why is it the enemy wants you to have sex outside of marriage, but when you get married, he wants you not to have sex? (laughs) He's out to destroy marriage. That was his intent in the garden. So discord between the man and the woman. She partook of the forbidden fruit first, Then he who was with her, watching the whole thing, hearing the whole conversation, partook of it with her, and then they were covered with shame. Here comes shame. They hide themselves from God, and then God shows up. They cover themselves with their own efforts, fig leaf aprons. And when God confronted them, he went to the oldest one first, the one assigned with the job of guarding the garden. Should have run the snake off said, what have you done? And he shirked responsibility and said, the woman you gave to me, she gave me and I ate. Passing the buck. the buck. The blame game. And then he turns to her and she said, the devil made me do it. The blame game. Somebody made a cartoon. I loved it. It was of a devil sitting outside a church on the front porch. Imagine one of these old school framed country churches. You can see it in your mind. And on the front step is the devil, and he's crying his eyes out, holding his tail, wiping his nose. And somebody says, what's wrong, devil? He said, they're blaming me for everything in that church. You know, there's only one devil. He can travel at the speed of light, but all he has to do is sow seeds of discord, a bunch of lies, to make it seem like there's more to him than there is. He's a mouse with a megaphone. Truth is our remedy. Amen? Amen? So sex within marriage is a blessing. Paul wrote about this, who was a single man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, he says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, he had a two-way relationship with his church that he had planted. They wrote him a letter, and he's responding. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. It's good. Nevertheless, because of porneo, sexual immorality, fornication, let each man have his own wife. Not somebody else's wife, his own one. And let each woman have her own husband. Not the man down the street, your own husband. Let the husband render his wife, render to his wife the affection due her. And likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So just to continually deny each other, play that game of denying because you're mad. That you, you got to find peace, obviously, and you want to both be willing parties, right, to enjoy your time together in the bed that is without shame, right? But this is a biblical command, folks. Don't any men say amen. Verse 5, do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. There is a time to seek the Lord and put that to the side for a while. And come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I myself. He had the gift of celibacy. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them... If they remain even as I am, it's better for them if they stay single. Because those who marry, he said in another place, will have trouble in the flesh. Who knows, marriage can generate some stuff. So it's better if you stay as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. Everybody's argued for years what to burn means. So the translators added the words with passion. So if you have the gift of celibacy, there's not something wrong with you. There's something right with you. You are blessed. Amen? But if you're single, you're supposed to be celibate. Well, I can't help it. I'm, I'm going to get married anyway. Let's do it. In our culture, we made a God out of weddings. We, we downplay marriage, make fun of it, but God forbid that we don't have these grand weddings that no one can afford. Right? Right? We made a God out of weddings. I say, have a great wedding, but go ahead and get that piece of paper. Go ahead and honor God and honor marriage by getting the license. And then later, you can party like crazy. But meantime, you can have a shame-free life. Isn't that good? Remember, sexual sin will be judged. Now, we're entering into the zone we did last week. This is some heavy stuff. I read some heavy scriptures last week. Here's some other ones. Uh, One deals with an immediate local situation, and another passage deals with the eternal impact of fornication. So God can judge us, fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. God can judge us in the now, and we respond, or he will judge us in the future when it's too late. Look at these two passages, Revelation 2 and then 21. These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. This is to a church in a community in a part of the world now called Turkey, a community called Thyatira. The Lord is dictating a personal letter to this congregation. So these are red letters. Nevertheless, I have this against you. you. This is some kind of disorder in that church. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering And I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. This is the Lord Jesus talking. This is the man, Christ Jesus, the God who cleansed the temple. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches minds and hearts, hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now, I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, she had some new revelation, I will not impose any other burden on you, even to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule with them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is Jesus. This is his heart to judge immorality that's not repented of. Who could say that's serious? Revelation 21. He says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. Verse 7 and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now here's the eternal consequences. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, these are people that have not repented, this is their lifestyle, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, Folks, everybody's not going to heaven. If liars went to heaven, what do you think would happen? You know, they haven't been redeemed. If thieves and murderers and complainers go to heaven, what do you have? You have earth two in heaven, and heaven's not going to be earth two. All right, next point. To have an honorable marriage, we need to recoil away from all forms of coveting. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Love your wife. Love your husband because you reap benefits. It's like you're the thermostat in your own home. You don't like the temperature? Change it. Don't change the house. Change yourself. (laughs) We're commanded to love our spouses. Hollywood is a terrible example. Why they think they're experts that can advise us politically is beyond me. They can't hold to their covenant. They can't keep their contracts. They look good, but they're not role models for anyone. They're a bunch of people that pretend. I'm not fooled by them. Don't be fooled by them. Well, you're sounding mighty judgmental today. I'm not. Their ultimate destiny is the hands of God. I'm not condemning them, but I'm telling you, do not be fooled by so-called experts who can't live up to their own deal. Their reason for divorce is, well, we just don't love each other anymore. My question is, why not? You're told to love each other. The point is, they don't feel the love anymore. So that's a signal to get out? No. Have you ever had a relationship that went south and then it got restored? Is is that relationship not stronger than ever? Friendships are that way. Marriage is even more so. Work on your relationship. Feelings will come. Don't trust them, though. Do not let your heart lead you anywhere. Protect your heart. Guard it, but it'll lead you to destruction. And finally, relate to God as always being with us. A threefold cord is not easily broken. He's witnessing your relationship. One of the prophets talked to the men of Israel and rebuked them for dealing with their wives treacherously. What is treachery? It's misleading someone. Are you dealing with your spouse treacherously or honestly? Because God is watching. And keeping that in mind. I love the new practice for outdoor weddings. It's the braiding of a rope. Who's seen that? If you have a wedding outside, don't do the unity candle. The wind always blows them out, and then that's a bad (laughs) omen. But the braiding of a rope, a three-strand rope, you braid it. The husband generally stands there and holds the ring, and the wife braids the rope. But it's a symbol for the husband, the wife, and God. A three-strand cord is not easily broken, including God, who is always with you in his relationship, will make your marriage strong. I will never leave you nor forsake you, has five negatives in it. It's bad English to say a double negative. I ain't got no money. But in other languages, a double negative emphasizes the negative, which is what we actually intending to do by using the double negative. But this has a quintuple negative, five negatives, It literally says, if you translate it just word for word and not adjust the grammar, never know you leave nor never know you forsake. I will never know leave you nor never know forsake you. God is emphasizing the assurance of his presence. Doesn't that bring comfort to you? Maybe you're married to an unbeliever and your relationship is tough. Uh, Maybe you got saved after you became a believer. Or maybe your marriage is a consequence of missionary dating. Whatever it is, the point is God sees, he rewards. 1 Peter 3 gives a recipe, as it were, for wives to deal with husbands that do not obey the Lord. Now, Paul said if they want to leave, let them leave. But if they don't, then you, you... do your best to keep the covenant as God enables. And Peter said that if you entrust them to God, he'll deal with them. that would often quote, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. <laughs> Men, the greatest prayer you can pray for your wife is, Father, please deal with your daughter. <laughs> remember, remember, your heavenly father is also your heavenly father-in-law. And he's witnessing how you're treating his daughter. Did you know that marriage is an earthly thing? That in heaven, there's no longer marriage. These people having celestial marriages, it's out out the window, it's unscriptural. Jesus said, we'll be like angels. They're not married. We won't be married. So for some people, that's a great blessing, right? Imagine being married eternally. That could be a definition of hell for some folks that are in tough situations, (laughs) right? But in heaven, we'll be brothers and sisters. Do you want to be embarrassed when, in heaven when you're around your heavenly sister who knows you better than anybody for the way you treated her and vice versa? It's a word. So, Lord, we want to honor marriage in Jesus' name. Lord, we want you to be honored by our marriages. Lord, we want to recognize marriage as honorable. And, Lord, we want to walk as covenant Lord, I pray if anyone here feels condemned, I pray, Lord, that you would realize it's not from you, but you are challenging us to repent where we need to and to walk out life like you're telling us to, in Jesus' name, amen. I have a cross-cultural marriage, that's amen. With cross-cultural marriages, you have plenty of opportunities for intense fellowship, but never boredom. (laughs) 1976, my family was traveling across America, raising funds to go and be missionaries to Rhodesia to plant what we thought would be the first interracial church in Salisbury, Rhodesia, now known as Harare, Zimbabwe. That church still exists today. And in our travels, one of the homes we visited, we stayed in preacher's homes uh, as we would minister at their church at night, the next day we'd be at their home and go on to the next church. We'd preach and sing maybe five times a week at the most, three or four times normal week. For six months we did this. One of the homes we stayed in had a copy of National Geographic from 1975, the previous year. And that issue had an article on Rhodesia, which is where we're going. So we were interested, so we opened it up, and this was the opening picture. In the presence of my brothers, I pointed to the blonde in the picture and said, I'm going over there and getting me one of those. <laughs> May my blonde stand up. So, so. <laughs> we used to tease her about having blonde roots because she could kind of be like Lucy, all right? So in Fort Worth, a few years ago, I went to a half price bookstore, looked at their section of National Geographic. I tried to find it for years, never could find it. They had the issue. So we have it in our home today. So this is a picture from our issue. I brought it home, showed it to her. We laughed. She says, oh my goodness, that's, that's where I was employed when we met. There in the right is a blue sign with red letters, just a little bit. She worked at a women's clothing store called What's Happening. This is the 70s. What's happening? And she says, that car is not the right color, but that's the same kind of car I had. We laughed. Last few years, we laughed. But then a friend pointed out to us and said, you know, you did get your blonde. Your daughter was conceived over there, and she was blonde. She's in Gambia today. As a nurse for Baylor uh, University and medical centers, working with midwives, delivering healthy children. This is her with a Muslim midwife. She attended a Methodist church today, and we woke up early and watched video clips of the service. It was awesome. We cried and stuff. But I did go over there and get me one of those, (laughs) it just didn't come the way I thought. Part of the global health leaders to the Gambia. Trainings in tech. Their newspapers cover the issue. There she is there in her white lab coat. So whatever your story is, review it. Celebrate it. Remember it. Visit the old places. You you, want to have the good feelings? Visit the old places. Turn that TV off and go do something you used to do. And you don't have to listen to worship music all the time. Right? Sometimes vet and I go to jazz festivals. I mean, everything in the world's not a sin. Right? Have fun together. The single folks, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. Bless you, Mary. God bless you. Let's worship the Lord.
1: Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaking And I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Cause he's there
0: get an amen. Amen. What if you caused your situation? He's still your firm foundation. What if you built your house on sand and it came tumbling down? He's still a firm foundation you can build your life upon. There are consequences, there are messes, there are trials that we can bring upon ourselves. 45 years ago, I was engaged to a girl, not sure how we could do it, in Rhodesia. We got the cart ahead of the horse and got married December 19th because a baby was on the way. Someone in her family was pushing for abortion, but thank God it was illegal in her country. A doctor recommended a a plane flight overnight to the UK be gone for two or three days, come back, it'd be all over, no one would know. But I saw a Roman Catholic book about abortion with pictures. I didn't read the words, but I knew that life was God's plan. Was it easy? No, it was hard. Circumstances. We didn't have wedding rings till we were married 12 years. She wore her mom, one of her mom's wedding rings. I didn't wear one for 12 years. And we went to Montgomery Wards. (laughs) I still have this one. Local jury repairs it when it needs repairs. this girl's not just a nurse, she's a doctor. Certified nursing midwife, doctor of nursing practice. Look at what we would have wiped out if we had took the easy way. America, our Redeemer lives. Don't take matters into your own hands if you've messed up. Somebody on Facebook asked the other day, if you get a woman pregnant by accident, do you have to marry her? First of all, accident? That's dumb. I didn't have to marry vet. I wanted to marry vet. And he took our mess and made a message. Took shook our trial and made a triumph. Took our test and made a testimony. But that doesn't have to be, just because we made a mess doesn't mean you have to. My hat's off to the single parents in the house whose other parent, baby parent, fled the scene. You did the right thing. You're a hero. We respect you. The story's not over. Let's encourage one another, amen? And what I said earlier about revisiting places where you courted, vet and I got to do that for our 40th anniversary, we got to go to Zimbabwe and revisit all those places. Now, if your starting was, was a bar or something, you know, don't do that. You know what I mean, go to the same park and walk, go to the library and hold hands. Whatever you have in your history, those are stories to be celebrated and passed down to your generations. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Shalom, peace. Tell somebody, shalom. God bless you. Go get them Tigers. Amen.